Welcome to Mariner's Church Weekend Message Podcast, inspiring people to follow Jesus and fearlessly change the world. Discover your purpose and get connected by visiting marinerschurch.org or click the link in the show notes. Welcome to Mariner's Church. I'm so glad that you're with us today. My name is Eric, if we haven't met. And for you who are a part of our Mariner's Online community, I want to encourage you, if you have not yet been through Rooted, we have a session starting this week, and we have multiple time zones that we are offering Rooted, so you can choose the one that is most convenient for your schedule. For 10 weeks, you'll be with a group of people. You'll walk through this this Bible study that will help you discover who God is, your purpose, how to really get connected to His church. If you haven't been through Rooted, it really is the best way for you to get to know who Mariners is and take a next step and get connected to community. So on the screen right now, here's how you can sign up. Just go to that web address and we would love to place you in a group. Hundreds of people do rooted every session with Mariners Online, so you're not the only one. Come on, let's go through this together. We'd love for you to be a part. All right, I wanna open us up in a word of prayer because we are going to talk about some heavy things today and I want God's grace to to speak through me, but also to really allow you to hear his message for you. God, as we approach your scripture, we do so with humility. We wanna hear from you and we want to understand who you are and even your answers and your wisdom to some of the, the difficult questions that we have. It's in your name we pray, amen. High school graduation for me was similar, I'm assuming for you, in that we sat in alphabetical order. And to my left was Marty Gaucher, and to my right was Wayne Guidry. So Gaucher, Geiger, Guidry. And within a couple of years of high school graduation, Marty died by suicide, and Wayne is in prison for the rest of his life for first degree murder. That happened within a couple of years of high school graduation. And those are not the only two people that I graduated with who died by suicide and are in prison for the rest of their lives. But when these two events happened, because I was new to the Christian faith and and people in my high school knew that I had become a follower of Jesus, people reached out to me with with questions because these these were such overwhelming events that happened And they were wondering, I mean, is there forgiveness? I mean, what happens when when these kinds of things take place in people's lives? I grew up in the New Orleans area and where I grew up, I mean, almost all of my friends were Catholic and Catholics where I grew up, they believe that sins are really divided into two categories. There is mortal sins and venial sins. Venial sins meaning the common sins that we commit in our everyday lives but mortal sins being the ones that, well, they have mortality attached to them, like like murder or suicide and and really grave and serious sins. And the friends that I grew up with, they were taught or they believed that of those two categories, the mortal sins, there's no forgiveness for those sins at all. I remember in high school when it seemed like every single year that there was someone who died by suicide in my high school and grief counselors would come in and people would be put in groups. And I saw friends of mine struggling with trying to, trying to work around the categorization. 
So they would say things like, well, she, she didn't really mean to commit suicide or he didn't really mean that. They were just trying to harm themselves and then, and then suicide happened, but that's not what they meant. So it really wasn't a mortal sin. I mean, they so badly wanted to work around this categorization. But is there a categorization? Is there an unpardonable sin? Can we go too far? Can we walk so far away from God's plan for our lives that we are outside of his grace? Can we move so far away from God that there's no mercy left for us? Now, before I continue, I just wanna pause for a moment because I realize that some of you watching right now, even hearing the word suicide, you live with suicidal ideation or deep depression that has taken your mind down a spiral of having those thoughts. And and please look at me right now. God loves you. We love you. He decided before the foundation of the world when you would be born. He chose the moment you would enter this world. And he wants to be the one in charge of the moment of your last breath. And he has good things for you. He has gracious plans for your life. So if you're watching this right now on our weekend services and we have the chat up and you are wrestling, would you just right now go into the chat and let somebody from our team pray for you? If you are watching this later, you can text prayer to the number on the screen. We wanna walk with you. But is there? an unpardonable sin. As a pastor, people have asked me this so many times and they've, they've come to me frightened. I mean, this is a really common question. It seems like every year somebody will wanna talk to me, pull me aside or make an appointment and, and ask, I, I fear that I've committed this unpardonable sin. I saw a video on it about it on TikTok or I heard it for the first time that there's an unpardonable sin. What if I've done it? Have I committed the unpardonable sin? People have asked me. To which my answer is always essentially the same. Hey, look at me. If you're asking if you've committed the unpardonable sin, there is no way that you've committed the unpardonable sin. You, you have not. And the person is like, well, how do you know? Because if you care at all, the fact that you're here, the fact that you are sensitive to the things of God, the fact that you would even ask the question, no way at all that you've committed the unpardonable sin. If someone's committed the unpardonable sin, their heart has gotten so hard. They have, they have turned God away so many times that they wouldn't even think to ask the question and they wouldn't even care if they had. The fact that you're asking, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. Look at me, you haven't committed the unpardonable sin. The person usually in that moment is like, oh man, I feel so much better, thanks. <laughs> but then a week or two later, we'll email or text and say, man, I'm still, I'm still wrestling. How do you know for sure that I haven't committed the unpardonable sin? Ed Welch is a Christian therapist, and this is what he says about about the concept of the unpardonable sin. Pound for pound, the passage on the unpardonable sin can deliver the most guilt in all scripture. Now, Ed Welch believes the scripture, 
But also because he's a therapist, he sits down with people and he says, for those of us who are perfectionists, for those of us who wonder if we've done enough, for those of us who are always fearful if, we, if we've done too many things against God, that this concept of the unpardonable sin, it brings guilt to people. There's even a sad story of a man named John Child who was a Puritan who had feared that he had committed the unpardonable sin. And because it just plagued him so much, he took his own life because he didn't wanna live with thinking about it anymore. Common question, what is the unpardonable sin? It's the question that we are putting on the table today. On TikTok, people will pontificate about the unpardonable sin. Lots of people have asked it. Perhaps you've asked it. Perhaps someone has asked it. I want us to see what the scripture says about the concept of the unpardonable sin. The passage that we're gonna look at is in Matthew chapter 12. This is the phrase that we, we get the phrase unpardonable sin from this passage. It's an interaction that Jesus has with the religious leaders in his day. So look with me at the scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22. Then a demon possessed man who was blind and unable to speak was brought to him. He, this is Jesus, healed him so that the man could speak and see. All the crowds were astounded and said, could this be the son of David? When the Pharisees heard this, they said, this man drives out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus told them, Every kingdom divided against itself is headed for destruction and no city or house divided against itself will stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons drive them out? For this reason, they will be your judges. If I drive out demons by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. How can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? Then he can plunder his house. Anyone who is not with me is against me. And anyone who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it will be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven him either in this age or the one to come. This is the word of the Lord. This, these are the words of Jesus. And he addresses what you perhaps have asked. Is there a sin that is unforgivable? Notice in the passage we read, there's actually a paradox presented. We tend to focus on the phrase, which we'll get to in a moment, that there is a sin that won't be forgiven. But notice the first thing he says is people will be forgiven every sin and blasphemy. In the passage, which people point to about the unforgivable sin, Jesus says every single sin will be forgiven. Everything will be forgiven by the grace of Jesus, he says. In fact, when you read the scripture, you find people in the scripture who committed sins that people have said are unforgivable and they weren't unforgivable for these people because these people encountered the grace of God. Moses murdered, Rahab was a prostitute, David 
committed adultery, murder, and an elaborate cover-up. Jonah ran from God. Elijah struggled with suicidal thoughts. Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. And the apostle Paul killed Christians before he became a Christian. And every one of these people were made right with God by his grace. Every single sin is forgiven for those of us who believe in Jesus. And if you're wrestling with this, like, well, how? How can all of these sins be forgiven? Because we are not forgiven by our work, but we are forgiven by the work of Jesus on our behalf on the cross. Every sin, for those of us who believe in Jesus, every single one of those sins is forgiven. Why? Because the blood of Jesus spilled out for us on the cross as he died for us is not too thin to cover every single sin. His sacrifice on the cross for you is sufficient to forgive you of anything and everything. So those of us who have believed in Jesus, our past sins are forgiven, our present sin is forgiven and our future sins are forgiven. Jesus says every single sin will be forgiven. There's an old hymn, which I love. It's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And in that hymn, there's this lyric. It's so awesome. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought. My sin, not in part, but the whole was nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, oh my soul. If you have believed in Jesus, your sin, not just part of it, but the whole of it, all of it was nailed to the cross of Jesus as he was sacrificed for you and you bear it no more. Praise the Lord, every sin is forgiven. But there is the second phrase, which there's this paradox here. Jesus says, but the blasphemy against the spirit will not be forgiven. So every sin will be forgiven, but blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now, to understand this, you have to understand what's going on in the passage that we just read. Jesus is not finding people who have committed sins and letting them know that's not forgiven. He's not showing up at a brothel. He's not showing up at a bar. He's not showing up at the lowest place in somebody's life and saying that won't be forgiven. That's not what's happening here. Jesus is speaking to the religious leaders. He is not speaking to you at the lowest point in your life and saying, "Mm, that's not forgiven. That's not what he's doing. He's speaking to the religious leaders who know the Old Testament, who understand that a Messiah has been promised. And people are asking if Jesus is that Messiah. They are saying, is this the son of David? Meaning, is this the one who comes in the line of David to be our everlasting king, to be the one who is for us, to forgive us? Is he the one? And the religious leaders, those who are moral and upright and who know the Old Testament, they say of Jesus, all the good things he's doing, all the healing that he's doing, he's doing it by Satan. This is actually Satan's power. That's what they said of Jesus, the religious leaders. Now, Jesus doesn't even tell them 
they've committed the unforgivable sin, but he warns them. He actually gives them a warning that if your hearts have gotten this hard, that you have seen me and all that I'm doing for people, and you're gonna say that this, what I'm doing is Satan, then you have gone so far. Your heart has gotten so hard that you will have rejected my pursuit of you over and over again, and therefore that would not be forgiven. That's what Jesus is saying. But he's saying it to the religious leaders who were saying that Jesus is doing the works of Satan. And these religious leaders have a clear understanding of who Jesus is, and they are rejecting Jesus. Jesus is showing them, I am the one that you've studied about. I am the one that has been promised to you. And you still are rejecting me over and over and over again. If you keep doing that, that won't be forgiven. Now, notice in the passage, people get confused of this. Okay, but sins against the the, the son, against Jesus is forgiven, but not against the spirit. Why? What is this about? Well, Jesus later says in John chapter 16, verse eight, that the Holy Spirit will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. That the Spirit of God is the one who shows you that you need Jesus. And so the religious leaders are sinning against the Spirit by saying, no, we don't need Jesus at all. We are good enough in our morality and our ability to keep the rules. We don't need Jesus at all. So this is what's happening. The religious leaders have a full demonstration of who God is and they're insisting they don't want or need God at all because they think they are good enough. And this is what Jesus says is unforgivable. Now think about it. When Jesus died on the cross, do you remember the very first words that came out of his mouth as he died for you? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. But surely they knew what they were doing. I mean, they they put his arms on the cross and drove stakes through his wrist and stakes through his ankles and, and pulled him up in front of everybody who watched. Sure, they knew how to spit on someone, how to jam a crown of thorns on his skull. But yet Jesus says, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they're doing. They knew what they were doing physically. What Jesus is saying is, they don't understand the magnitude of who I am and what I'm accomplishing for them. So Father, forgive them. They don't fully understand who I am and my sacrifice for them. The religious leaders, Jesus is saying, guys, you understand, you know who I am and you're saying what I'm doing for you is Satan. That's what is the unpardonable sin. So what is the unpardonable sin? It's continually rejecting the grace of Jesus over an entire lifetime when you understand who he is and what he's done for you. It is for an entire lifetime, not, not, not just once. I'm all, none of us have been Christians our whole lives. We've all rejected Jesus. So the unforgivable sin is not death by suicide, is not murder, 
It's not any work that you've done or any action you've done because all of the things you've done have been canceled out by what Jesus has done for you on the cross. The unpardonable sin is when for an entire lifetime, someone insists, I know who Jesus is and I don't want him at all. I don't even need him. I am good on my own. And this is why Jesus is confronting the religious leaders about the unpardonable sin because it's the religious that are most likely to commit the unpardonable sin. So listen, if you're like, this is your first time checking out church, Jesus wasn't speaking to you. He wasn't finding the down and out in society or those who were who were wrestling or those who had doubts or those who were questioning or those who were like, hey, I'm not sure about God, but I'm, I'm open. That's not who he's speaking to. He's speaking to religious people who say, I can pull off salvation on my own. I don't want or need Jesus at all. And the religious people are more likely to commit the unpardonable sin because it's the religious people who are more likely to trust their own goodness. They're likely to trust their own righteousness as if they can pull off salvation on their own. Humanity, we like to divide people into good and bad. That's like the religious leaders. We're good. We've done enough good things. All those people are bad. But that's not how Jesus divides humanity. Jesus in this passage divides humanity this way. Those who are with him or those who are against him. He says, anyone who is not with me is against me. And so if you are with Jesus, every single sin in your entire life is forgiven. If you are against Jesus, no sin, whether it's called big or small, no sin is forgiven. Reject the Holy Spirit who pursues you, who shows you that you need the mercy and grace of Jesus. Reject the Holy Spirit and there is no forgiveness for anything. Receive the Holy Spirit and there is forgiveness for everything, for everything. So for those of us who believe in Jesus, every single thing we've done is fully forgiven because it's been placed on the cross as Jesus died for us. Those who insist, I don't want Jesus, I don't need him, I reject him, I reject him, I reject him. There's no forgiveness at all for any sense. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is costly. You know this, I know this, because when somebody hurts you, it's painful to forgive. It's costly to forgive. It is fascinating that to secure your forgiveness and my forgiveness, it cost Jesus everything. I mean, think about the miracles that God has produced in the scripture. In the very beginning, he creates the heavens and the earth and he just says it, let there be light and there's light. He speaks the world into existence in Genesis chapter one. and Genesis chapter three, the third chapter in the Bible, God announces that there will be forgiveness, but it doesn't happen right away. 
The story unfolds and unfolds and unfolds until Jesus comes here for us. Creation could happen like this. Forgiveness, costly. C.S. Lewis said it this way. It costs God nothing so far as we know to create nice things, but to convert rebellious wills, to convert us, cost him crucifixion because he loved you so much. He entered this world, Jesus, God, the son, and placed himself on a cross so that if you believe in him, all of your sin and shame is placed on Jesus on the cross. And if you then receive him, if you receive the spirit of God and say, God, I need you, I need your forgiveness. You are converted and you are made his son, his daughter forever, forever. About the unpardonable sin, the writer of Hebrews also writes, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26 through 29. For if we deliberately go on sinning after receiving the knowledge of the truth, so that was like the religious leaders, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. Anyone who disregarded the law of Moses died without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who is trampled on the son of God, who has regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and who has insulted the spirit of grace. This is the word of the Lord. The writer of Hebrews warns us that if we reject the spirit of God pursuing us, if we reject what Christ has done for us, that there, there is no sacrifice left because Jesus came here to be the once and for all sacrifice and we can believe in him and receive his forgiveness and everything is forgiven. But if we reject him, there's, there's no sacrifice for sin left at all. C.S. Lewis said it this way. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done and those to whom God says in the end, thy will be done. Two kinds of people. Those of us who are with him, who say, God, I want you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace and your mercy. I'm with you. I wanna be with you. Thy will be done. Or those who say, no, I'm against you. I wanna go my own way. I don't want you at all, God. I don't want you, Jesus. And in the end, God says, thy will be done. You want life without me? You want eternity without me? Thy will be done. Wayne and Marty, who I graduated high school with, their actions are not the unpardonable sin. They're not. Because the mercy and grace of Jesus, the work of Jesus on the cross is sufficient to cover any and every sin for those of us who believe in him. I've tracked Wayne over the years. I've sent him letters and interacted with him some and 18 months ago, I came across this article 
of Wayne at Angola Prison, Angola Penitentiary in Louisiana. He, he um, makes guitars, or he has, and he's sold them online. He is selling some crafts at this rodeo, the annual rodeo that the penitentiary puts on. And you can see he has an undershirt beneath the, the collar shirt that he's wearing. And notice what the undershirt says. I am changed. Here's what you find when you do a little bit of digging on Wayne, that after being sentenced to life in prison, he confessed faith in Jesus and placed his trust in the savior of the world who died on the cross for every single one of our sins, all of mine and all of Wayne's and all of yours. Wayne did not commit the sin that is unforgivable because the grace of Jesus is bigger than all of our sin and all of our shame for those of us who will believe in him. Have you believed in Jesus? Are you with him or against him? With him, meaning you're at the point in your life where you have said, I need his forgiveness. I realize that I have fallen short of the glory of God. I haven't lived perfectly and I need his forgiveness. Really good news. He wants to forgive you. He entered this world to forgive you. If right now you are saying, man, have I committed the unpardonable sin? No, you have not. You have not. Because you asking the question, is the spirit of God working on you in this moment? Either, so so rejoice in your angst. Right now, if you have angst about this, rejoice in your angst because this means the spirit of God is pursuing you for himself or you're already a Christian and the spirit of God is working on you. The spirit of God has not left you. He's pursuing you. And if you have not received his forgiveness the first time to become his son, his daughter forever, he invites you to himself today. Jesus entered this world because he loves you in all of your sin, in all of your shame. He entered this world not to give you a list of things you do so you can make yourself right with God. He entered this world because there's nothing you can do to make yourself right with God. He entered this world to do all of the work for you on the cross. And if you will believe in him, which means place your trust in him, be with him, you will become his son, his daughter forever. Romans 10, nine says, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, forgiven, made his son, his daughter forever. If you would like to receive his forgiveness today, confess your sin to him, call on his name. Say, I wanna be with you. I wanna believe in you. I long for your forgiveness and he will run to you with his mercy, his grace and his forgiveness. Right where you are right now, you can pray something like this. And it's not the words that save you, that forgive you. It's the God you're praying to who brings forgiveness to you. But pray something like this. Dear God, I realize that I have fallen short 
that I haven't lived perfectly and I need your mercy and your grace. Thank you for dying on the cross to take away my sin. I wanna be with you. I trust in you and not trust in myself. Will you make me your son, your daughter? Will you forgive me? The best way I know how I want to become yours. In your name I pray, amen. Listen, this is the most important moment in your life. If you are surrendering to Him, and you are because He's pursuing you. The Spirit of God is working on you today. We wanna pray for you and with you. We also wanna send you a gift if you just prayed and asked Jesus to be your Savior. So text BELIEVE to the number on the screen as we sing and we wanna pray with you and welcome you in to the family of God. Congratulations, the best moment in your life. So text BELIEVE to the number on the screen as we sing. All right, extend your hands please and let me pray a prayer of blessing over you as we go. Jesus, I pray you'd bless your sons and daughters this week, that you would remind them that you are gentle and approachable and that you love them. Cause your face to shine on them I pray they will experience your mercy and your joy this new week. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Go in peace, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in to the Mariner's Weekend Message Podcast. To support the ministry of Mariner's Church, you can click the link in the show notes or download the Mariner's app at your favorite app store. If you've been navigating God's wisdom with us through this year's annual read and would like to hear personal reflections from pastors in your community, check out the Gospel Everyday Podcast. Imagine feeding your heart, mind, and soul with the kind of practical wisdom that will change your life. If you haven't picked up the annual read yet, visit marinerschurch.org or download the Mariners app for more information on where to find it.